Welcome to Beans and Breakdowns, a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between specialty coffee and the heavy music community. On this episode, I'm joined by Chase Brenneman, bassist for Comeback Kid. So grab a fresh cup of coffee and wake the fuck up! Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Chase from Comeback Kid. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Feeling good. We had a little preliminary talk, so it's it's a little awkward when I ask somebody how's it going and then how's it going again. So sorry to put you through that. <laughs> Part for the course, you know. You can't just jump right into it, you know. It's a little movie magic going on here. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what what do you got drinking on your side? Um, I'm just, I mean, we made a little coffee at home this morning. It's a bag of beans that I bought when I was in LA at Coffee Commissary. Do you know that spot? Coffee Commissary so good. Oh yeah. Coffee Commissary. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we like had lunch with some friends there and bought some beans and, and then, yeah, I just got a, at home, I got a Mocha Master. So just fucking ground it up and threw it in there and that's that i feel like it's unfair for you to say that you're not the coffee expert when you just referenced one of the premier coffee spots in la and then said you brewed it up on your mocha master that's not fair <laughs> my i mean honestly I, I like so i i can't fully take credit for that it's like my girlfriend bought the mocha master and she got us a fellow like the grinder you know like the magnetic one or whatever the ode uh, I think which is, is pretty yeah sorry yeah that one um which is really dope so just because like the coffee spot in our neighborhood that we would go to like literally every day we could closed about six months ago for like no real reason like i think the dude that owned it was just kind of over it like they Mm -hmm. were like killing it it was so crazy busy all the time and uh yeah so they closed down and there's like not really anything amazing around so like within walking distance at least so We've just been making lots of coffee at home now. What kind of a uh, profile do you like when you're when you're brewing at home? Um, I mean, I don't know, man. To be honest with you, I'm like not a, like a full full on <laughs> expert, but I definitely like lately. I've it, in the past, I was always like a like a latte guy or latte with like oat milk kind of dude, mm-hmm. but. Definitely in like the last year, I've been, especially since we got the Mocha Master, I've been just drinking my coffee like straight up, no cream, no anything else in it and enjoying it like way more than I ever have before. You know, like I feel like I'm just dipping my toes into that arena, like taste, you know, like, I mean, lattes are good, you know, cappuccinos, whatever. There's like a time and a place, but it's crazy. Like how much more flavor you get out of it when you don't like have milk, like kind of messing it all up you know i mean yeah. i'm messing it up but you know what i mean yeah um, but yeah like fruity stuff i guess like fruitier like notes i'm really into or like any like kind of chocolatey vibes i'm like about that so yeah there's a there's actually like a i mean there's a bunch of really good coffee spots in vancouver but there's one that we kind of started going to it's like a ways away from my house but it's called nemesis mm-hmm. and they like they uh roast their own beans and their coffee is fucking amazing it's really really tasty and they uh yeah i don't know they have really good food and pastries and stuff like that so try to go there like every weekend if we can my buddy just moved from uh montreal to vancouver because his girlfriend's going to school out there and so he just wanted to like be closer to her while she finishes up um and he sends me like pictures while he's at shops like palette i think is one that he really likes a lot um and like west coast third wave coffee is on another level because i feel like the wave kind of started there and then like moved east and you know in montreal we're trapped with so much european influence which i'm not saying is a negative but a lot of people are very um wary of ditching that you know italian or french style of espresso drink espresso drinks so um i kind of envy people that live out in vancouver where you've got like nemesis and palette and all these uh 
all these like crazy roasters. Dude, that, I mean, there's some good spots. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, again, I'm just like kind of, this isn't like, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like Portland and Seattle like really pushed, you know, like Vancouver just kind of got lumped in with those Pacific Northwest cities and they were the ones that kind of like pushed that coffee culture and Vancouver just kind of fell in line. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, but there's so much good stuff here. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there, yeah, I always, you always wish there was more. It sucks when like good places like that spot that closed down down the road from us was this place called Ubuntu Canteen and they did like, it was kind of dope because they would like, you could take coffees to go if you like brought your own thermos, but they had no to go cups. Like you, if you went there for a coffee, like you had to drink it there, you know, which was kind of sick. Mm-hmm. And they, their beans were all roasted by this company called Bows and Arrows that like does like insane stuff here and has been for a really long time. And yeah, the coffee was just awesome. And it was just such a good vibe. And like the people there, like just cared about it so much. It was just like, you know, it was always delicious. And that's the kind of the space you want to like go to when you're like having your like Saturday morning coffee, you know, like yeah, it's bustling and everybody's stoked and like, you know, I don't know. It was a good vibe. I, I'm super bummed it's gone now. Mm-hmm. I, you, you hate to lose like your spot, you know, like, uh, even if you have to move, like I had to move neighborhoods, um, from Montreal and I have like a normal casual spot. I would go chill at, I would become friends with like the, one of the owners and they had some of my favorite stuff. He also would let me like come behind the bar and show me like barista shit sometimes, which was cool. So- and, uh, when I moved, like it was, I, it was too far for me to like go to every day. And so every time I pop in, it would be like, ah, oh, sorry. Like I can't make it over here all the time anymore. Yeah. And like, I didn't have another spot that was doing like that style of like more progressive coffees where they're doing like flash cold brew or uh, like flash ice coffee in the summer. And like, they're doing like cool flavored drinks and things like that. Like it was all very much like this place has coffee, but everyone goes for sandwiches like yeah 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 for sure huge bummer <laughs> yeah dude um, one thing i'm super jealous of which really doesn't have anything to do with with coffee that you have out in in montreal is bagels like really good bagels like we were just there in like the neighborhood like the kind of the more jewish neighborhood there where all like the good ass bagel spots are and it was just like i was like damn i forgot about this like it's crazy <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, uh, like, think of, you know, you drink coffee when you eat bagels, so it kind of goes hand in hand a bit, you know? Straight up, like, which which bagel place did you go to, though? Because I know the one that's close to the venue, but there's one that's a little further that's the preferred one. So we didn't go to a bagel place that time, but the last time I was in Montreal, my friend who lives there took me to a bagel spot, and I can't remember what the fuck it was called, but I think it was, like, it was, I don't know, it was, like, the one, like, the famous one. Was like there's a big pretty, bagel man on the window. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Same the one. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one for sure. That's the it spot. It was dope. Yeah. It was sick. Some people are like Fairmount Bagels is this and Fairmount Bagels is that. It's not. It's St. Vieter. That's the best one. I'm not from Montreal, but I can tell you from living here for like six years, that's the best bagel. It's not Fairmount. Dude, so. that place was incredible. It was sick. And again, like, I don't know. It was winter. Like, it was probably i guess a year ago so like last winter when i was there um but yeah like just such a rad vibe like snowy and icy and cold but like sunny and like everybody's like bundled up and has like their coffee and getting their morning bagels and it just everything smelled so good and yeah i don't know i was just over there yesterday um because my wife had like an appointment actually across from fairmount the venue um and so uh like we were over there, I wanted to get some lunch. And I don't know if you've tried it, but there's this place called Wilinski's. I don't think so, no. It's like, it's gotta be like a hundred years old, but basically you like walk in, there's 10 bar stools. There's like five people behind the counter and they only sell two things. They sell a, it's called the special. It's an English muffin with like three slices of fried bologna and you can pick between Swiss and cheddar or no cheese. That's it. What the hell? That's sick. <laughs> it's five dollars, <laughs> and then they're like, "Okay, do you want to order? Do you want a side of pickles?" That's the only side they offer, is a side of like homemade pickles, and then they have like a soda jerk machine, so you can get like a fresh cherry cola. Whoa, that's fucking awesome, dude! My wife and I ate for fifteen dollars, and we're full. That's so that's so sick, dude. That's like that's the that's the thing about Montreal too. It's like 
as far as like big cities go, it's still, there's still like, there's so much cool stuff there and it's still like can be kind of affordable, you know, whereas like mm-hmm. other places, it's just like, I love Vancouver. It's cool, but it's just, there's so much money here and which ends up leading to like a lot of like older businesses, like not being able to afford their lease anymore. So like they eventually tear the buildings down and build new shit. And it's just like, there's lots of cool, like newer businesses, but there's no like old, like character, you know what I yeah. mean? Like no like culture, you yeah. know, it's not like allowed to like grow here. Whereas like places like Montreal feel like it's just, I mean, there's, it's pretty cold, but in the winter time, but I mean, it makes up for it with like character and like culture and just all the cool shit going on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely an adjustment for the winter. Um, cause I'm originally from like Georgia and we don't have winter. Yeah. And so getting used to that was like one thing, but then like during the summer and like, you know, the warmer months, it's like, I can't fucking move. Like there's no way I could leave. Cause it's just so cool. And even in the winter, like you said, it's sunny. People are still out like doing shit because like, I don't know how they know how to do it, but you can still do things in the winter here and people aren't like miserable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, like it's kind of scary like when you fall in love with the culture of a city that has like such a not like a niche but it's just like it's like nowhere else like in north america um it's very difficult to like try to give that up to go move somewhere like uh yeah so now i'm stuck here and it's great yeah i mean i mean to be honest like recently i was looking at my girlfriend and i were looking at places in montreal just because it's so expensive, the cost of living in Vancouver. And for, you know, what we pay here, roughly, what you could get in Montreal was, like, incredible. Yeah. You know, that apartment was, the apartments are beautiful. Like, so yeah. sick, you know? <laughs> and 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 you just started thinking, you're like, you know, I love Vancouver. It's so beautiful. Like, the mountains, the ocean, the summers are awesome, and the winters are pretty mild. But it's like, fuck, maybe I could, like, do... A winter and snow you know maybe i could make that happen and trade for like a you know like a decent apartment and and uh i don't know all the other cool stuff that comes with living in montreal you don't need a car that's like another thing dude i mean that we both have cars in vancouver it's definitely it i mean public transit isn't the worst here but it's pretty sprawling so it's definitely one of those places where like if you don't have one you're like stuck in your neighborhood you know yeah, that's one thing because we, I, well, I brought a car from the states, and it's like, now that I live downtown, I don't really need it. Like I can just hop on yeah. a metro, walk ten minutes from the metro, bit pretty much anywhere, or take a bus. That's crazy, but yeah, I've heard Vancouver is like, it takes a while to get around on public transit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the the trains pretty like limited, so a lot of it's buses, which is super yeah. annoying, and. uh yeah, I don't know. It's not it's not an ideal situation. You ever do you ever go to that uh Mano Coronado like rest spot? Do you know that spot? I used Is to live uh, yeah, Mono Cornudo. Yeah, Mono Cornudo, yeah. I, I used to live literally three blocks from there. That place is fucking dope. I remember it's when really they opened sick. and it was sick. It's like the sandwiches, the classic where they do the truffle honey oil on it. Yeah. Insane. So yeah, the last time I was there, what was like we went for like lunch and it was like we had like burrata and like you know pasta or whatever, some like crazy like seafood pasta and like coffees and it was so good. Like that's one of my favorite spots to visit when we're in Montreal if we could ever get a chance to. You know, the the dudes who work there are really cool too. Like, uh, it's not like a normal Italian spot. It's very strange, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, like I, yeah. the pizza's there too. If you can, if you can ever get a pizza, like you can take it out. It's like thirty bucks or so, but it's like a thick Roman style pizza on focaccia. Wow, crazy! Yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds really dope. So you get an order uh, of burrata and scoop it out, and then dollop it onto the pizza before you eat it. So you get like that Long Island style cold cheese pizza. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! Stupid. <laughs> Dude, uh, that's going to be on my list next time we're in town for sure. That's sick. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, it's sick. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm drinking on now that we've gotten out of the way of uh, gushing over Montreal. Um, I went to Pista, which is one of my favorite roasters uh, in Montreal. They're actually pretty close to like Foof's and um, like Mtelis in that area. But this is their Bukiza Natural. 
it is from Ethiopia and it's really good. <laughs> it's like an aromatic kind of mango pineapple, like super fruit forward coffee. Um, oh. it's really, really sweet too. Like when you let it cool, like it's super, uh, like mango -y sweetness, almost like mango juice. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I wish I had some of that. Now I kind of regret not having some, uh, some of that coffee from, um, nemesis on me. Cause yeah, some of their stuff is super, super dope. It's, it's funny too. Cause like one of the coolest parts, like oh, the coffee is incredible, but like one of the coolest parts about the, the beans that they sell is the packaging is like insane. Like I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it's one of those places where everything they do is like with so much purpose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all the food they make and like their like pastries and stuff are like really wild. And the, the boxes that the coffee comes in are like leather bound, oh, which is what? like insane. Yeah. And they like, I mean, like it's not real leather, like it's probably like faux, but they're like oh, yeah. all stamped. They're all like stamped and like leather. And it like comes in this little box and you like pull, like slide it open and like the beans are in there and it's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty dope. The upside down heart is sick too. Yeah. It's cool. Like it just looks cool. looks really, I don't know. It looks dope. The coffee is like incredible. It's it's a pretty dope spot. Have you ever had uh, shit from Onyx? Uh, I don't think so. Not that I can remember, but I know the spot. Out in like Arkansas of all places. Yeah, I've definitely I've definitely heard of it, but I don't think I've been there. Um, Their packaging is also very similar, but like. A little different but like heavy duty cardboard boxes embossed like very cool color palette that they use for their boxes and labeling so it, it kind of reminds me of that um but onyx is is really sick too if you can ever if you're ever like around conway or little rock and you can get to a shop you should try it it's very cool yeah i'm like i'm trying to think of like because i feel like maybe we have been there at some point or maybe i just maybe just a lot of people have talked about it and that's why mm -hmm. it's like in my head but i know the spot for sure. On this past run that y'all did with Stick to Your Guns, do you have a memorable spot that you hit that you're like, this is the sickest coffee of the whole tour? Um, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you like what what our like typical day is like. You're probably gonna <laughs> like this is like gonna be pretty shameful. I'm like throwing some guys under the bus, but so I'll, I'll something might pop into my head while while I'm talking about this, but Jeremy the like he does like the majority of the drive i mean he does basically does all the driving like he just loves to drive so he'll drive every night every morning all day like it's pretty rare there's an occasion like where one of us has to take the wheel you know obviously he's like super tired and there's a long drive or something mm -hmm. and uh his thing man straight up is starbucks it's starbucks and it's like an everyday thing like to the point where and you know what? Like, I'll, I'll be honest. When I side note, like when I started playing Comeback Kid, I was never a Starbucks person. I wasn't like a coffee snob by any means, but I just didn't like it. And every day, like every day when we were in Europe, no matter where we were, you know, like the first thing that Jeremy would do in the morning was look for a Starbucks to get Wi-Fi and to like have a coffee in the morning. And and his all his ex like reasoning was like. I can go to this place no matter where I am in the world and it always tastes the same. I know what I'm getting and they always have internet and it's like just a comfort away from home or whatever, which I, and then, and then, but like from sitting and drinking coffee with them, like so many times, like in the mornings, like at a Starbucks, it became like a really like, I don't know if like nostalgic is the right word, but it just became, uh, there's so many like fond memories attached mm -hmm. to like having like Starbucks, you know? So in this weird way, like I started to enjoy it a bit, but I, at at this point we've come full circle to the point where like, I'm so fucking sick of it again, you know, like, <laughs> and it's like at every morning Jer's like start, oh, and they have like vegan stuff too. Right. So like, that's a big thing, but like every morning it would just be like, what are we doing? Like, where are we going? And Jer would have Starbucks in the, in the oh. thing and everybody would just be like rolling their eyes like, fuck, like again. I can't fucking eat Starbucks anymore. Like this is bullshit, <laughs> you know, like just getting so pissed about it. But yeah, that's the, that's like our morning routine, like every day, pretty much without, without fail, unless there's like another coffee shop within 
you know, walking distance, it's pretty much Starbucks daily. And unfortunately, it's like when you're going to a Starbucks, nine times out of 10, it's at like a, you know, like a, like a shopping mall or somewhere where there's literally going to be no other coffee shops, you know, except yeah. for like a Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. So I don't really know if we hit, I mean, I mean, technically coffee commissary was on that tour. It was just on the West coast uh, portion of it. And that was really dope. And we went to another place in LA, um, that was awesome. Fuck. My girlfriend took me one sec. I, I can tell you exactly where it was. <laughs> it was Canyon coffee. Oh yeah. Canyon. Yeah. Which was really dope. And we have some, some beans here that I don't think we've opened yet, but Canyon was sick. <clears throat> I, and, who was uh, I just looking at that that was staying uh oh my homie uh my the bassist in my band is he's visiting um some family like his girlfriend's family in LA and he's literally staying in Echo Park next to Canyon. Oh really? Dope. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I'm gonna send him there then. Yeah, that place is good. That place is super good. And there is a thing that uh that I'm sure you'll be like familiar with. Um, that my girlfriend saw there that she really wants to buy for us now to have at home because we have the Mocha Master, which is awesome. I love it, but she wants to like have something that can make espresso. And at Canyon, they had these like stovetop espresso uh, kind of maker things, but they do two pours at once. Have you seen those? It's no. like a stovetop espresso maker with like a platform on it. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's got, you can put like two cups underneath and it's got a spout that does the whole deal. Yeah. 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 I can't remember who makes it, but it was really sick. And they're cheap. They're like 60 bucks or something yeah. like that. I've seen the Bialetti version. I think my father-in-law had one at one point and he would use it like every morning. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I mean, like, I don't know if it's like incredible, but I mean, it seemed like, I mean, I don't know. Canyon's pretty legit and I've heard good things, so might be worth a try you know for 60 yeah. bucks at least it's not that crazy I'm, i've but been those, using my AeroPress to do espresso so it's probably way better than that <laughs> i mean that that's i mean that's something that i feel like i should probably have i mean andrew from from stig is definitely a coffee head and he like they have their you know every so often you'll see a band with like a pelican and they got their like rig in there or whatever and he was that dude i'm sure some of the i'm sure the other guys are some of them are into it, but I think he was like the main dude that was like really about, you know, it was like every day we blowed in, they'd be done sound check and he'd be like, have a scale out and like, you know what I mean? Kettle and yes. shit like that and getting everything like pretty dope. That's uh, we're planning a tour in like March or May of next year. And I'm already like putting together a Pelican cause I've converted like three out of five of my band to coffee people. So I'm going to do like the kettle. I don't know if it's an AeroPress I'm going to take or a pour over, but I'm already like, like, do you know Gage from uh, Xide at all? No, I don't think so. He He's cool, but he, uh, he has like a coffee chat that he like shared this fucking Pelican thing. And I was like, which model is that? Like, I need the deets. Like, give me the Dude, specs, that's awesome. man. Yeah, that's so, so sick. Yeah, I, I feel like, I, I mean, obviously, I feel like that's the one of like the best bonding things to have on tour is like going for coffee with other people especially like in you know other bands or whatever mm -hmm. but uh but just because there was so much driving on this last run we didn't really have like a time not, not really a lot of days off we didn't really have a lot of time to like to do that not as much as we normally would mm -hmm. but every so often it's like we did we did a tour last year in december um in europe and uh silverstein was on that tour and their guitar tech and their drum tech were and their drummer paul are all like they're super into like coffee and just getting up first thing in the morning and going to grab stuff and i usually wake up really early when we're when i'm over there so that was kind of like our morning routine was like paul would always like find like the best spot to go get coffee wherever we were and we'd just like go there and you know enjoy that and just like mm -hmm. talk for a bit or whatever which was kind of nice you know it was a nice way to start the day and usually like more often than not, there'd be like a really sick spot to go check out within like a half an hour walk of wherever a bus was parked or whatever, yeah, you know, for sure. I saw them last night. Oh yeah. No way. They're yeah, in my, yeah. oh yeah. Cause they're doing that run um, 10 year or whatever. Right. The wind shifts, uh, 
album. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was with Stray, which was. Oh yeah, how how was it? The sound was like kind of whack for the first two bands. I don't know what was going on, but uh, Silverstein's. I mean, I don't think they ever miss. So. Yeah, dude, it's it's pretty sick. I mean, like the it, it was probably Jake that was doing sound for them. He's fucking awesome, and it's just crazy now, dude. Like just the way like it's funny because they were always when we were on tour with them they he record so you know they use these things called like quad cortexes those like digital um amp modeler pedals or whatever mm-hmm. and like just have like you know like everything's just like super dialed in for them and jake like he has his own board and like just does like a he records it mm-hmm. every night and then whenever they show up at the venue the next day instead of having to do a sound check he'll just do a digital sound check so they'll just play the show from the night before on the pa of the venue that they're at and then just like mix it so they don't have to do fucking shit you know it's like every time we are showing up at a town they would be like yo we're gonna go to this coffee spot and like we're gonna go out here for dinner and like do this and do that like come on like let's go guys or whatever and we'd be like dude we have to fucking sound check like fuck you guys <laughs> and they'd be like all right see ya you know like whatever and they'd be off like gallivanting around town having the best time and like we'd just be like sitting there you know like waiting for like a couple hours until we could like get our shit done and then (laughs) it was i was so jealous and then they just like you know like they just throw their gear on and like walk out on stage and like that's they're just like you know no not no checking no nothing like so so easy it was pretty dope you know they just had so much free time they're they're like one of my favorite bands ever because i was like a scene kid for a long time and then I think it was like the height of like when discovering the waterfront came out was like my seenness. So yeah, they, they have a very, very soft spot for me because as soon as they play anything off of, uh, off of, uh, discovering the waterfront or the fucking first one, like smashed into pieces and all that, the, Oh, and broken is easily fixed. Those two albums are yeah. like, I don't think I'll ever forget a single song off of that. Those are two records there. I mean, they're, um, they're all such rad dudes, guys that we've known for like a super long time. And like Jeremy, Andrew, and Stu more so because they've been in the game like way long, like way longer than I have. But uh yeah, dude, it's crazy. Such nice dudes. And it's incredible to me, like, especially being around them and like watching because like Paul manages, they like self-manage themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's just incredible, like how successful they've been for how for so long and like honest like i think that band's bigger than they've ever been now and that i so much of that has to do with like the way that they conduct themselves like how they you know deal with like their business and it's like dude so much respect to like how they like do that because not everybody can make that happen you know what i mean like um yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool to watch and like be around and it definitely like you know it's cool like paul was always like he was definitely like giving us advice with certain things that we were like dealing with at the time and i don't know dope band dope band and they fucking kill it and i'm always fucking stoked to see them doing that so let's let's move into some music talk now that we've talked about silverstein because if we keep talking about silverstein this podcast will be an hour and a half of emo (laughs) music talk (laughs) um but uh, tell me a bit about kind of your background, uh, how you got into hardcore. I know you were also in um, in Lions, so uh, that's a bit more pop punk, but still fucking, it's adjacent. So I guess give me a bit <laughs> of your background being from like the West Coast and, and how it comes up to, I guess, you being a part of Comeback Kid now. Yeah, so I mean, we started living with Lions in like 20, I guess 2006 or something. Um we like i met a bunch of guys in vancouver and we started the band and we kind of and then you know started touring i don't know if you remember that band daggermouth oh yeah for sure yeah so they were good friends of ours they took us on a couple tours and we kind of got our feet wet and then you know started meeting meeting people meeting bands like people started putting their records out and then we started you know getting on tours like boys night out i don't know if you're familiar with that band but that was like one of my emo definite like hero bands. They were like very like, I guess close with like Silverstein. Definitely in that world. It rings a bell. In that world and like in that, um, 
and like both, both also from Toronto. So they were like all okay. friends and stuff, but did a tour with like Boys Night Out, which was like pretty fucking wild for me at the time because that was like one of my favorite bands. They were a fearless band or no, okay. um, sorry, they weren't a fearless band. They were on, uh, oh, okay, I can't remember now. Yeah, not fair. We'll get back to that. Was it Ferret? Yeah, Ferret. Ferret okay. was Ferret. Sorry, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so we did that and we're like, yeah, it's starting to tour the US more and, and then like, you know, sure enough, like flash forward, you know, five years or whatever. And we're playing shows with Come Back In and that was kind of like how we met all those dudes. Um, became friends with, with Andrew and Jer and, and at the time, like the other guys that were in the band and, and you know, we, we kept on like touring a ton and, and, uh, yeah. And then that's kind of like, I guess the short story of how, you know, I came to be in Comeback Kid. Lauren also is in Comeback Kid, the drummer from Living at Lions. So mm-hmm. it's just more so like being friends with them, like being close with them, like over all those years and like spending a lot of time together. And then, you know, when they needed a drummer, they brought Lauren on. And, and then when they needed uh, a bass player, huh. I think they were a little bit resistant to like having me join the band just because there's maybe a few too many uh, ex-members of Living at Lions like, <laughs> on the roster at that point. Like Stu, who used to sing in the ba- Living at Lions, was playing mm-hmm. guitar for them. So it was like, yeah, it was like a bit much, but um, I did a tour with them and they were like, this is a good fit. So that was kind of that. But but yeah, like <clears throat> like you said, like Lions is a pop punk band and I guess like punk stuff is more like my world like more than real hardcore stuff is like obviously i mean i'm 36 now i just turned 36 so i kind of it was weird i grew up in this really small town uh on vancouver island called comox and so like a lot of the music that i was exposed to when i was younger was like yeah punk stuff you know like the just a lot of skate punk stuff like no effects and rancid and right like wagon and all that stuff obviously green day and then like bigger bands like green day and stuff and then it was like whatever was like pl- whatever weird like local band or like band touring the island from vancouver was playing at at the community center in in comox so like that was all i was really like you know like that was all i really knew and and there wasn't a lot of people where I grew up that was like, were really into like hardcore or really, I don't even think like really knew what it was. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. obviously people were listening to like older bands, like Madball and Sick of It All and stuff like that. But there wasn't really like a hardcore like scene. It was just kind of whatever came through. Right. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like definitely like Misery Signals, which is kind of funny because like Stu's like one of my best friends now. And <laughs> right. uh, um yeah like like malice is for sure like one of my favorite i mean i know that's like more like a metalcore thing but i feel like that's in the same world you know that's like one of my favorite records ever like and it's like kind of silly and like cheesy to say but like comeback it was like a big one for me just because it was like such a such a segue like from like more melodic like punk influence stuff to like hardcore you know i could listen to like turn it around or wake the dead and be like this like i i like this i know this you know like this is familiar to me right. but then it like they just brought in like so much more you know of like heavier stuff that i was listening to at the time and like bane and stuff like that so i don't know i guess for me it was just kind of i a lot of that stuff was just kind of popular at the time that i was like discovering music and that was how i like kind of found my way into that world you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then and then yeah i don't know Again, like for me, it's always been more on like the punk side of things, you know, that's kind of been more by my forte and, uh, but I mean, obviously like touring with Comeback Kid and like spending more time in this like world, um, and like staying with Lions, like we toured with a ton of hardcore bands, obviously you like kind of find your niche, like find stuff that you like, tour with bands that you fall in love with or whatever. So I don't know then. And, and, and I mean, like, especially now it's like, fuck. Like, I don't even know what hardcore is anymore. You know what I mean? Like so many, like, it's like you have like, you have like, obviously you're like, you know, heavy, like fucking hardcore bands that without a doubt, like live in that world. But then you have bands like Scowl and like Military Gun and like so many bands that are like in that 
universe, but like are doing, and even like a band like Turnstile, it's like, you know, they're, they're in, they're in there, but like doing such different shit, you know, it's like the the genre has like expanded so much, which is cool. Well, it's like Mm -hmm. a really exciting thing to be involved in. Um, Cause I can't remember like a time like this where it was just so diverse and so crazy. And so many bands were like pushing like right. in so many different directions, you know, I wasn't, I was never around for anything like this at least. So it's cool to, it's cool to see. It's interesting. The point you make of being from like a smaller town where you have one DIY or all ages spot and you just go see whoever's playing. Cause I do feel like, the majority of people that's kind of how they were brought up unless you're from like a toronto or a montreal or like a new york or something like where you have lots of other venues and you kind of you you're, you have other scenes you don't just have the scene like yeah c- capital s um, <laughs> and so uh like for me as well growing up it was like always mixed bills always just you know like kids who kind of knew each other that had a band and then maybe there was like one or two out of town bands that were playing um like i remember getting my band got thrown on a show because the venue was overbooked so they just smashed both the shows together because two of the bands were from philly like agitator and somebody else and like we didn't want them to not make money basically so we were like okay like we'll just fix the lineups and like give them a better spot so that they don't have like a giant walkout and they can sell merch but like basically just like working that way where we're not like a super hardcore band, but we're going to play with this straight edge beat down band, which is weird. So, <laughs> yeah, um, sure. so, but it's cool. Cause you find out what you like and what you don't like, and then you can kind of, you know, curate your own path that way. Uh, when you grow up in a city where it's like only hardcore and then you've got these dudes that are like, that's not hardcore. This is hardcore. You can only listen to fucking minor threat and Fugazi and that's it. And it's like, yeah, why, like why? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. And I, I mean, like, like Misery Signals was one of those bands that played in, in Comox. They played in Courtney and like stayed at my friend's house. And, uh, you know, like, and I, I didn't know any of the guys like personally at that, like at that time, but that was like one of the reasons why I, I mean, Malice wasn't even out yet, you know, like they were touring their EP, but that was like one of the reasons why I discovered that that record you know like if it, if they had never played in like this tiny fucking little town in the middle of nowhere i would have probably never really like figured that out you know so it's just it's it's trippy it's crazy how like how much of an effect bands playing in like tiny little towns can have you know like yeah on people um yeah i don't know it's it's pretty it's pretty insane sometimes you gotta play barry yeah for sure well <laughs> i mean damn <laughs> we did it we did it last year and i think that's that's gonna be a, that's gonna be our our once every like four or five years <laughs> and then, you know what i mean yeah but i mean we're a, we're a canadian band so i feel like you kind of you know you 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 have to roll through those towns more often than than not but but uh yeah man it's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of weird places to play in Canada, man, and and you kind of almost can't avoid them. Like going through Northern Ontario, if you choose to go through Northern Ontario, like you're you're in for you're in for a weird time. Great people, great people, but it's it's gonna be weird. Yeah, it's gonna be different. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We we like we did a tour. Um, a lot. I was in Living at Lions at the time, but it was with Comeback Kid, Madball, uh, Wilhelm Scream, and Living at Lions. And we did a tour. It was a cross cross Canada tour, <laughs> and we played we played in Thunder Bay and Timmins with Madball. It was so insane. Like Timmins? imagine Madball, Timmins, Ontario, dude. Like for people, like I'm sure like 99.9 percent of the people listening to this have no idea where or what Timmins is, but it's like, I don't know, a town of like, maybe like a couple of that, like 5,000 people-ish maybe. Yeah. It's not big. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's more than a little bit more than that, but it's a tiny town and it's like in the middle of nowhere, super hick, like Shania Twain's from fucking Timmins. And, uh, yeah, we played, we played in this bar on the floor. There's probably like I don't know, like 80 to a hundred people there. It was probably the biggest like Tim and show ever <laughs> aside, aside from like a Shania Twain show or whatever. But 
Yeah, it was pretty funny. We we played on the floor, and uh, I'm sure all the dudes in Madball were just like, "What the fuck is going on right now?" And at the time, uh, Jay Weinberg, who recently he was playing drums for them, it was the right. tour that they kicked him out of the band. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. We, there was like a strip club across the road, and I remember going over to the strip club with Freddie and somebody else after the show was over. And I didn't really know Freddie all that well, like. You know, like he was, he's a, like a super nice, nice dude, yeah. but you know, like yeah. we're, we're not like tight or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, he ended up getting in a, in a fight with the DJ at the strip club because the DJ was just like being a huge fucking asshole. And I guess, I guess that's just how he treats people. But like, obviously like Freddie was just like, I'm not gonna like take this. <laughs> so he just like tried to beat up the DJ at the strip club and like, dude, it was crazy. We all got like, we got thrown out. Some dude like strangled me. It was fucking crazy. I mean, I'm not, I'm like five, I'm five foot seven and like weak and scared. Like I'm not trying to fight anybody. <laughs> I was just kind of like behind Freddie being like, yeah, fuck you guys. And like, next thing you know, you know, like a bouncer, like grabbed me by the throat. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> like help, help. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was pretty funny. It was, it was weird, man. It was weird. Oh man. I, I've played a few shows in rural Quebec, which is. Well, yeah. Where nobody, where nobody speaks English. S- semi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's rural. I mean, we had, yeah, there's a few, there's a few of those. Uh, but like, I don't know if you know where the town of Drummondville is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So th- we played there recently and I would say 75 to 80% of the audience didn't speak English. So like, you know, I'm like in between sets, not speaking any French at all. And, uh, it's like blank stares. Yeah, they. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's awkward, dude. That's so I don't know awkward. If, have y'all had? Have you had any of those too? Did y'all ever play like Trois Rivières or something like that? And it's like, what the fuck? I. I think it was Trois Rivières, or maybe somewhere. It was kind of north, northern area, but I can't remember exactly what city it was. But it was on that Mad Ball tour. We played a city somewhere, and. We needed a place to stay because lions were like grinding hard at the time. So it was like we didn't, you know, we weren't getting hotels or whatever. And and uh, yeah, we needed a place to stay. And somebody like maybe the promoter or whatever was like, yeah, this guy can like take care of you guys. So you can stay at his house. And we st- we went over to this dude's house and he didn't speak any English at all. <laughs> and we just we just we ch- we just chilled with him like lions. Where we like, I mean especially at that time like we were like we like to hang out we like to have beers like after the show and like party a bit so like yeah our guitar player landon like he's big a big like party like drink kind of like hang out and chat kind of guy and it was just dude it was so funny like watching him try to like hang out with this dude for two hours and neither one of them understood anything the other person (laughs) was saying you know what i mean like but it's like they refused to allow that to like get in the way of like their good time that they were having you know what i mean um yeah such a trip dude so weird but awesome at the same time i love quebec i I love like i love that there's just a place in north america that's that fucking weird and different you know yeah it's amazing and and poutine is also incredible from there oh dude i mean it's one of the best foods ever it's the birthplace it's the patient zero of poutine were you, you were were you playing bass and living with lions or were you the vocalist no at that time i was playing guitar and singing and okay. uh stuart Stu was singing on that tour and uh yeah i'd always like played guitar in that band and then when Stu left it was just kind of like i guess i'll just sing now okay but at that time I, but like when it got to that point like we weren't really touring like super hard anymore that was kind of like when things started to wind down a bit for the band, we, we like, we still do stuff. We still play shows. We still like, write, And, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll still put out records like whenever we can, but it was just, you know, like it just got to a point where like Landon moved to Calgary, which is 12 hours away from Vancouver. Lauren was playing a comeback kid at the time. Um, it just, we just weren't able to, to tour like as much as we'd want to, you know, it just yeah. like, everybody got to that like point age whatever it was and was just like you know um there was a limit to like what we could do and then yeah and then comeback it like was 
I had actually never played bass in my life. So when I was like at, at first I was asked to fill in on my tour, they were like, Ron was, wasn't able to do like a tour in Europe. And I was like, and so the Stu asked me like, you know, can you, you know, a month and a half out, like, can you do this, like fill in for this tour? And I was like, yeah, no problem. Like easy. Uh, so I like got a bass and like sat down at, at my computer at home and like listened to the songs and was just like, but like my feeble, like tiny little mind, like guitar mind. <laughs> was like not knowing that like playing bass is like kind of different than playing guitar like i listened to the songs and was like i can't do this like i i this is impossible you know like i'm like listening to like the super fast like 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 palm muting and like weird things and i'm like i'm like no i can't do this on a bass and i was like panicking for a little while i was like i'm fucked like i can't i'm gonna have to tell them i can't do this or whatever and then i kind of like they gave me like an isolated version of all the bass tracks. And I realized that a lot of the bass playing with the really fast stuff is like half the speed. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I got this. So I like, I figured it out and like, yeah, I learned how to do that. And, um, yeah, man. And so I, I still work in progress. Like I, I think I fucking suck at bass still, but, but I figured it out to like be passable at least. Right. I, I, yeah, I had the, I actually had like, like an absolute nightmare scenario happened to me on that first tour. We were, uh, we were touring with, it was us and, um, knocked loose and, um, what the fuck? Why am I forgetting their name right now? Uh, the band that just broke up from Buffalo every time I die. Why? I don't know why I forgot their name. Um, yeah, it was us every time I die, knocked loose and, um, and we, for some reason, were headlining in Europe. This was like before Knock Loose, like really, really took off. And, uh, we played, we were playing the show in, in like Cologne and it was like pretty big, like about like a thousand, I'd say people. Damn. And like, Stu was like, dude, so be ready, like practice up really good because Andrew likes to just like change shit up. Like right before we play, he'll like, he'll fucking change up songs he'll change up the way we want to start them and like da, 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 da. so just be like on your toes be ready be prepared okay cool and i and by the way i learned all the songs and then we flew to germany to start the tour and they were like yeah yeah we'll jam we'll jam and i get there and i'm like yo so like we jamming or what like i'm ready to do this and they're like oh no man we don't have our guitars like it's all good we'll just like go into it and just play the first show oh fuck. and i was like no I was like, no, 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 <laughs> like we can't, we can't do that. And they were like, we're going to do it. And I was like, all right, like this is on you guys, you know, like uh, this isn't going to go well, but whatever. But the first show was like totally fine. So we're playing the second show in Cologne and uh, right before we go on stage, sure enough, Andrew's like, yo, come here. Okay. And he's like, so we're going to play talk is cheap third, but Lauren's not going to count you in. He's like, I'm just going to scream it talk is cheap and when i say cheap you start the baseline and like that's how we're gonna go into the song and i was like uh okay i think i can do that like just so many things in my head you know like i'm like can i remember how to play any song let alone like you know what i mean like even though you practiced it it's like you're not comfortable right you're still kind of like getting into this vibe of everything and like you're only thinking about like making sure you play things right you know and so anyways we start the set and we get to talk is cheap and then there's just going, and I'm just like, fuck, wait, how do I start the song? Oh my God. What's the tempo? Like, uh, 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 and he gets it cheap and he just like hits, he just goes cheap. And I just go, ding, 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 yeah. And kind of like stuff up and like just turn around. <laughs> like, I just like, I just like blanked dude in front of like all these people and everybody started laughing and like even like got like even them because it's like you don't stop don't turn around like you just gotta but i was it, the song starts with bass so i completely <laughs> fucked it i just had to stop and everybody like Stu was like pointing at me and like laughing like oh and, like andrew and everybody was laughing and i was just like oh my god dude this is like literally a nightmare like something that you would you know like dream of and uh yeah, and Andrew was like, oh, like, this is our fill and bass player, Chase. Like, give it up for Chase or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> Fuck you and your changeover. And then, yeah, and then, then, then we just, like, started the song and it was all good. But, 
that was like, dude, that was the most insane fucking introductory to come back in ever. It's like a welcome to the family hazing moment. Dude, it was so bad. It was so bad. But yeah, pretty fucking funny. Did you help write Heavy Steps? Were you on the record? Because uh, you've officially been since like 2021, right? Yeah, I mean like, so that first tour was in 2017 and that was like, I pretty pretty much started playing with them like right after that, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Like, uh, yeah, because that's like fucking like six years ago now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ron came back for like a tour or two and then, and then I kind of just uh, stepped in after that. But yeah, Heavy Steps... I didn't really have a lot to do with that record. That was, you know, Stu and Jer wrote a ton of stuff for that record. And Andrew obviously like wrote some songs and, and, uh, and we, I guess did like all the pre-pro, like we were all there together for like the writing sessions. We kind of got together and rented a house and just kind of like worked on everything like together. And obviously Lauren had like a ton of input as far as like drum stuff goes, but Honestly, for me, like it was pretty hands off for the most part. Like I had like little bits of input into, into things here and there, but, but for the most part, like there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen, you know, like Jaren and Andrew are original members, you know, they know the way they want certain things to sound. And I think they're, they're pretty good at like, at like compromising on certain things. But between them and also Stu and all of them being like super prolific writers and like writing like heavy music for so fucking long, like I'm, it's just a world that I'm not even like close to, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like they're on another planet. So I have, I do have like opinions and like, obviously like I've been writing music for a really long time and, but it's just, yeah, I don't know if it's (laughs) a lot of the time I'm like, this is not my place, you know what I mean? Like to like. To be like, I don't know about that breakdown. You know what I mean? Like they're fucking, <laughs> they know what they're doing. You know, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to make like a, you know, a baseline that like works well, you know, and it's never really that complicated for me, but I'll like, I'll throw things in when I can or like try to like help with like a vocal thing or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but for the most part, it was, it was those guys like carrying the majority of that, of that stuff for sure. What's your favorite song to play live? Uh, I mean, it's probably Wake the Dead. It's just gotta it be goes right? off it's, so, it's, so it's... hard all the time. <laughs> like it's 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 fun. Honestly, like like some nights, especially if it's like a really good reaction. Like I have more fun like watching what the fuck's going on than I do any. You know, like it's just it's like fun for me. You <laughs> yeah. know, like I'm the crowd, dude. Um, yeah, like when we played that, we played that song at the observatory in in. Uh, and uh, Orange County, it was fucking crazy. It was so wild. It was super, super fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That song goes off. And then, I don't know, my favorite song to play aside from that, maybe like, I mean, Heavy Steps is pretty fun. I like that song. And it's a new one. So yeah, yeah I, I dig that. I dig that one a lot. I think that's my favorite new one is Heavy Steps. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's like, I mean, they've always been been pretty good at like walking that line between like you know having a heavy band, but also being able to mix that like melody in. Mm-hmm. I've definitely become a lot more of a thing. I feel like in the like the later part of the band's career, you know, like they always had like a melodic aspect of them, but they like obviously like really started bringing the singing in. Like, at, I guess it kind of started with broadcasting, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's cool, like. I feel like uh, there's probably a lot of people that like kind of hate on it and like don't like that aspect, but obviously like not being in the band for like a lot of, for most of their catalog, you know, from like an outsider's perspective. And I might be a little bit biased because obviously I listen to like music that's a little bit more melodic for most of the, <laughs> most of the time. Um, I like, I think that's cool. Like, I think it's probably a like kind of a scary step to take when you're like living in a hardcore world to like actually like push outside of the box and like try to appeal i mean not that they are trying to appeal to more people but you know like in a way it's it's a move that you you are like at least uh making your band like more accessible mm-hmm. and I, I don't think that was ever like the intent but i think it's i like admire that because it's not an easy 
step to take you're alienating like a lot of your like fans from like an earlier date you know what i mean but i don't know like i mean they've been a fucking band for 23 years now and you know they've they've been killing it forever so you know a lot of respect for how they how they go about things and you know the way they write their music and stuff yep definitely uh i think wake the dead is probably one of the first hardcore songs i ever heard so (laughs) they've been a part of my life for a very long time (laughs) yeah i mean like that and that like just you know it's kind of weird to say and like maybe people like cringy for like the the dudes here but it's kind of the same thing for me you know like like turn it around and then obviously wake the dead was like a big one for me like those were the first some of the first like hardcore i didn't even really know you know like i I was like it was heavy right yeah like totally and bane was like the same thing to me and it's funny because the bane thing for me coming like living in a small town and not knowing or having anybody like feeding me any kind of hardcore music it was like because i would hear bands like minor threat and fucking gorilla biscuits and 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 to me that was just punk music like i was just like oh this is like old punk music you right. know like nobody was like really like guiding me through like what was what this was and what this was but um yeah uh fuck, and now i now i kind of missed where i was going with that um, uh bane oh yeah bane so like the bane thing was like and this is again like kind of cheesy and weird but it's like they were on atticus you know what i mean and like <laughs> I'm like, and you're following all the bands that are like sponsored by that company and like obviously like Blink and shit like that. And it's like, you're listening to all those bands and you're like, whoa, what the fuck is this? You know, like, this is crazy. I've never heard anything like this before. You know, it's just such a weird, it's so weird and like kind of funny to look back at that, you know, and then maybe it's not the coolest way to like fucking find that shit, but I don't know. Um when you grow up in a small town, like you have to fucking take that shit up. I would, I would literally just go on Napster and just type in punk and mm-hmm. just like search that and then just download whatever I could, you know? And through that, like, I mean, one of my favorite bands ever is Saves the Day. And I'll never forget, like the very first time I ever heard a Saves the Day song was like just searching on Napster that way, you know? And yeah, man, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty yeah. funny how you used to find bands anyways, you know? Um, let me know what you guys have going on through the end of the year into next year. Um, we head back over to Europe uh, next week for a tour with the Amity Affliction, Alpha Wolf, Mugshot, and that's Damn. like all over Europe. And uh, yeah, it should be sick. Like, um, it's like the last couple tours we've done over there have definitely been like a little bit outside of our realm. You know, like we did that tour with Silverstein and. But that's that tour Silverstein was like Coil was on that too as well. Like shout out that band because Welcome, those yeah. dudes are fucking awesome and right. their new record is unbelievable. Like I'm a huge fan of that band. Um, so yeah, it was a good and yeah, we had a great time hanging out with them. But it was like weird. It was just you know it's a different world, you know, like playing with you know a bunch of people that are like obviously there to see Silverstein and then this time going with Amity. It's gonna be like a different a little bit of a different thing for us but obviously like super grateful because amity is like killing it they're going to be awesome like big shows and you know they they brought us out so like tons of respect and very very grateful for that but uh yeah we're doing that we're doing a canada tour in march that we're still kind of like hammering out the details on but i'm pretty sure that's all happening now and uh and then we're just like doing like a ton of like uh festival stuff in europe next june july august and yeah i don't know like there's a ton of like two i think oh yeah in south america at the beginning of next year so it's like it's pretty busy like it's already like really piled up (laughs) you know yeah Yeah, it's crazy it's crazy but um i don't know pretty pretty stoked we got that there's a bunch of shit going on next year and then like it's uh comeback kid turns 25 years old and Wake the Dead turns 20 years old in 2025. So, so not next year, but the year following. So we're like, obviously like talking about that and trying to figure out what is going to happen there. But obviously like nothing that we know of for sure, or like can like tell people yet, but there's going to be some really sick stuff happening in 2025 for sure. If there is a repress with a package of merch, I'm immediately buying it. I don't know if I care about the price at this point. (laughs) 
it's funny because we uh it was kind of like um I, I don't know like how excited the guys were some of the guys about redo about um printing a bunch of turn it around merch for the 20th anniversary of that record which was this year or maybe mm-hmm. i think it was, it was 03, this year think, yeah um but yeah we like did like a merch spread that was like a turn it around that was like all throwback designs like old turn it around designs and people are there's a little bit of like opposition to it but it dude it, i was like you guys are crazy man like people love this shit this is like what people like came up on with comeback kids like come on and sure enough like the way that it went you know like the guys were like okay like maybe we're a little bit op- more open to like the the anniversary merch spreads now you know so i'm sure there will definitely be a, a bunch of sick wake the dead stuff like at, we've we've at, i mean obviously like they've all been talking about it and kind of throwing some ideas around because we don't want to really like flub that you know it'll be yeah. a pretty big important year for us you know and hopefully you get to like celebrate that shit and do lots of cool shit I'm super excited to hear about I know it's like fucking a year and a half from now but that's gonna be a big fucking year <laughs> like I, I that's hope gonna so be a big yeah year. yeah <laughs> there's always like you know it's just weird when you're planning shit like that because there's always so many like grand ideas and it you know there's only so much shit you can like pack into 365 days so you know just try to make the most of it hopefully we can come up with some like cool shit to do and and I'm, I'm sure it'll be awesome I'm looking yeah. forward to it that's uh that's sick hopefully i hear about the canadian date soon because uh i live in canada and i don't want to have to drive to the states to see a show that's my only thing yeah and usually when there's a canadian tour montreal is one of the five cities that you play so um and i say that as a joke because there's definitely more than five cities but there's only like four (laughs) worth going to um yeah so yeah it's gonna be a it'll be fun to see you guys again it'll be dope like i i mean i um the like obviously we can't divulge any information on it yet but uh but i but it's gonna be a really sick package of bands so i'm fucking like definitely one of the coolest canadian tours that comeback has done in a really long time so it'll be it'll be awesome when we finally get to like announce it i bet i can guess who one of the bands is i'm not gonna say it right now but i'll tell you okay okay Uh, (laughs) but uh chase has been a lot of fun i really enjoyed talking to you uh before we go i just have one last question what's your favorite city for beans and breakdowns favorite city for beans i'd have to say portland oregon does Mm -hmm. it have to be the same city you don't have to do the same city okay portland Oregon, maybe like some of the best coffee I've ever had has been at spots there. Uh, breakdowns. Uh, I guess New York, man. New York's yeah, one of my all-time faves. I put honestly, I I would honestly put Montreal up there too, just because like. I feel like that's like maybe the best heavy music scene in Canada and shows are so good there all the time. Um, but yeah, if I can, if I can split my answer up, it'd be New York, Montreal, sick Portland yeah. for beans. The New York is sick. You got to put some respect on the name of, of New York, especially when it comes to hardcore and emo. Now, I guess they're kind of killing it. You know, we had taken back Sunday and fucking brand news from there. I don't know if I can say brand yeah. new anymore, but you know, before yeah, we knew all the bullshit, sure. that was a good ass band. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> well, I think, I think I, in my personal opinion, Koyo is like, has like taken that, that torch in like all the, the right ways, you know, like musically or whatever. I remember the first time I heard them, I was like, this sounds like old brand new, but yeah. like better. And yeah. I mean, their new record is like way more than that but uh yeah i don't know that band's fucking it's like everything i want to hear when it comes to like that type of music coming from new york like that kind of they just like basically carry on from like taking back sunday that air like it's yeah it's fucking dope there's also a lot of census fail in there like a lot of of early census fail which yeah such a good band um but yeah those dudes and it helps when they're nice like when a band that you really want to like and puts out good music are nice people yeah they rock so cool um but yeah i've seen koyo like five times and i feel like it never gets old 
Nah, it's so cool, dude. It's so cool to see. And yeah, like you said, like they're just genuine down to earth dudes and they fucking make sick music. So, yes. so pumped for those dudes, man. We're, we're Team Koyo over here at Beans. Yeah, hell, Dance, so, um, hell yeah. <laughs> but Chase, thanks so much for everything. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you on March. Yeah, fuck yeah. Thanks for everything. I'm stoked. This is awesome. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Beans and Breakdowns. I want to say a huge thanks to Chase for hanging out on the podcast. Be sure to check out the newest single, Trouble in the Winter Circle from Comeback Kid, available on all streaming platforms, and look out for their upcoming tour dates for the next year. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can find out more information about the podcast by following us on Instagram at Beans and Breakdowns or on the web at beansandbreakdowns.com. Until next week, be sure to stay caffeinated and wake the Fuck up!